difficult times. And um, life is not always good. You know that? We have some difficult times in life. And sometimes some of the things that go on um, are difficult for us to deal with. For instance, um, all of the events that have surrounded um, last night with uh, the shooting in uh, the Oregon District, um, uh, just a tragedy. And uh, it affects our community um, just as it affects uh, any community around here. And so we need to realize that even though difficulties like this happen and even though tragedies like this happen we are not a people without hope we are not a people without an answer Um, we have the greatest answer um, for the world and so uh, and that answer is Jesus you know he is um, (laughs) he is the hope of the world Um, and without him um, there is nothing that we can say or do that will prepare us um, for the troubles that are coming. Um, I, I'd like to tell you that it's going to get easier for us in life. <laughs> but that's not true. That would be a lie. I would be selling you something. And, uh, and I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm here to convince you that the only hope for this world that we live in is Jesus. Um, There is no other way to overcome the challenges that we face. And when you are maneuvering in the world that you are living in, this message is what allows you to be a purveyor of hope. That you have the opportunity to take the message of Jesus through what is shining inside of you to the world. Now, this week the kids of VBS they had uh, this constant theme of uh, how they are to be uh, light bearers, shiners. They're, they're to be the carriers of the message of Christ in just this powerful way. And so I want to encourage you in that. Um, as you are walking around the communities, uh, as you're working, as people come to you in the midst of being distraught because of, of the shootings, uh, I want to encourage you to Uh, turn to Jesus, to turn them to Jesus, and that is going to be a point of peace that is possible. Today I'd like to continue on with um, Judges chapter 6. Last week I presented you, I introduced you to a mighty man of valor. Who was that? Gideon. And where did God find Gideon (laughs) in the wine press. Was that where Gideon should have been threshing out the grain? No. Gideon was operating out of what? Fear. He was afraid. I'm not telling you that many of us in the same situation wouldn't have done things in a similar fashion, but, but one thing I am sure of is that God wants us to operate out of faith and not fear. Now the thing that Gideon's uh, story presents for us is that there's still hope for me. Okay, There's still hope for all of us that even though we may be hiding uh, from what God has for us, 
um, God will still be able to find us, even if we're in the wine press. Today I want us to move a little bit deeper into this message and um, to deal with some of the things that really happened after God found Gideon. And we're going to pick up at verse number 13. And as I read today, this first portion of it, before I I get to the portion that I really want to focus on, I'm just going to speak a little bit as we go about portions. So at verse 13 it says this, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Now have any of you ever said that because of difficulties have come in your life? Uh, If the Lord is with us, why has this happened? You know, I, I can remember times when I was in Bible college, um, struggling, um, working full-time, um, just doing everything I could to make ends meet, and my car breaks down. And I'm thinking, God, I'm at Bible college. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing what you told me to do. I am preparing for ministry, and how in the world can this... Why is this happening to me? Gideon is in this place where he's, he's crying out to the Lord and he's saying, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of, out of, up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Now I love this portion in that... Um, <laughs> It is sometimes our memory is short for our failures. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sometimes our memory is short when we um, come to God in our times of pleading like this, forgetting about what put us in this position in the first place. Now, we talked about it a little bit last week. The children of Israel were in hiding, they were fearful because they had walked in rebellion. They had ignored, avoided the very things that God had for them. So yes, Gideon was correct. Their ancestors did tell them stories of the great miracles that God had done. He had brought them out of Egypt. But he really didn't abandon them. They abandoned God. They turned back to all of their evil ways. They turned back to, and we'll get more into it in just a few minutes, but all the old gods that they had worshipped. But God was gracious in His response. And actually, He even overlooked those questions. And in verse 14, He says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. This is an important message for Gideon. So many times we think God sends us out and we have to bring all of these resources with us. We have to do all this preparation. We have to make sure we have our saddlebags packed. And and God is saying, um, just go with the resources you have. I am sending you. Go in in your current strength. Don't try to to build yourself up to make sure so many times the building ourselves up with all these extra resources are not so that we depend on God more, so we just depend on God less. 
See, if we have enough stuff set in place to where we don't have to depend on God as much, (laughs) it's easier on us. But when we have to walk by faith, it's a challenge. It's a difficult place to be. And God's telling uh, Gideon here, the Lord's telling Gideon, He says, listen, go out in your current strength. I'm sending you. God is reminding him, listen, you are going on a mission for me. Quit getting caught up in who you are. And, and, and that really speaks to Gideon's next statement because he, he is so gracious, he's so patient. God, God loves us so much. I am, I am thankful for the patience and the grace of God. I need it every day. I am sure that there have been many times that I have tested God in my responses to Him. And after Gideon has said all these things, and God says, listen, go out in your strength, I'm sending you. That should have been a positive encouragement for him. Gideon comes back with, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. Again, Gideon's image was fixated on his own um, image of who he was and it wasn't God's picture (laughs) not only did he view his clan as the weakest he said I am the least in my entire family Gideon had not been able to come to that place of acceptance that that God had a specific plan for him and that's why this opening thing where God says you mighty man of valor caught Gideon off guard because Gideon viewed himself as not only from the weakest clan, but the least in his entire family's household. And yet, God did not allow the statements of Gideon to deter him from the statement. See, God is determined. God is more determined to use you than you are to be used. God is more determined to use you than you are to be used at times. And He is going to continue to come at you. He's going to continue to present you with opportunities for you to do mighty things for Him. And it's going to take your constant determination to avoid God many times for Him not to be able to use you. Gideon with his excuses did not deter God from his message. The Lord comes back to Gideon and says, listen, (laughs) I will be with you. Now that should have been enough to put anybody at ease. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. You will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. What a message of hope that should have been for Gideon. But it wasn't enough. Again, I, I, I tell you, God is patient and graceful and gracious with us, I should say. Gideon's lack of faith showed up again. And this next section of you know, Scripture talks about Gideon setting out these 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 fleeces, these things saying, God, if, if this is truly you, we'll read it here for us. 
verse 17. It says, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking. I mean, let's be serious here. At this point, is he even questioning whether or not this is God? But he's wanting a sign. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat, and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. And the angel of God said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand, and the fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. (laughs) When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed! I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now, we understand the angel had disappeared, but then we have this. It's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid, for you will not die. Now, the only thing I can glean from this passage is the voice of the Lord, just like God spoke to Moses from the bush, the burning bush, somehow God's voice was present because in the verse prior, we're told that the angel disappeared. But he says, do not be afraid, you will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Ophrah in the land of the clan of Abizar to this day. That night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bowl from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, pull down your father's altars to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on the hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid, still afraid, of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would speak to us clearly today, that you would help us to understand that which is our responsibility as we read this text. We ask for this in your name. Amen. I've titled the message today, It's Time to Clean House. It's time to clean house. God had showed up for Israel again, and he had worked with Gideon in this process of bringing uh, encouragement to Gideon. I, again, I, I say it again. I love the graciousness and the mercy of God. God wanted desperately to use Gideon, and Gideon had set down this, this task, this fleece, this challenge for God. God, if it's truly you speaking, then I, I need you to do this for me. And Gideon goes home and prepares the, the, the sacrifice. He does all this. He brings it back, uh, puts it on the stone, as the angel said, and the angel touched it and consumed it. And it overwhelmed Gideon. But again, it was, this was all about God bringing Gideon to a place that he could use him. And God does so many things for us because his desire is to bring us to a place that he can use us to accomplish 
His purpose, His plan. Now, even though he had accomplished, he had performed these different, this, this miraculous event for Gideon, that did not release Gideon from some responsibilities that God was placing on him. Because Gideon and the, the children of Israel had walked away from worshiping God. And God said, listen, you mighty man of valor, I am going to come and rescue you, but first... This is what you must do. He said, first, the things that you must do is that you must go in and and do two things. He says, you must pull down. You must pull down your father's altar to Baal. And you must cut down the Asherah pole. Now, When you look at this and you understand these two names, Baal and Asherah were in the same God family that the children of Israel worshipped. Actually, um, Baal was viewed as the king of all gods. And Asherah was viewed as uh, the goddess or the mother of all gods. So when you look at these two individuals that the children of Israel were worshiping, they had replaced the worship of the Almighty God who had delivered them from uh, uh, the hand of the Egyptians to worshiping the king of God, small g, (laughs) and the mother of God, small g. Rather than worshiping the Almighty Creator of the universe, they had reduced their worship down to two places. And God was saying to Gideon, listen, I'm going to deliver you because you've cried out to me. Last week we talked about the fact that, that the children of Israel had cried out to God. They had, the oppressiveness of the Midianites had become so overwhelming. Not only were they ab- abusing and killing their families but they were taking all of the resources from the land to where the uh, children of Israel were finding it difficulty in living just being able to survive and so they cried out to God this had been a uh, unfortunately a, a history with the children of Israel that they had God delivers them he rescues them and then for a while they'll worship God for a while they'll do what's right and then they will go back to their old ways And God was saying to Gideon, listen here, Gideon, I will come in and rescue. I will deliver you. But the first thing you must do is you must get rid of the altar and the Asherah pole. In order for God to show up, you need to clean out the house of all the things that are distracting you from worshiping God. Now, I need to make this clear for you. God is gracious, but God is jealous. God is jealous. I'm going to share with you four short passages here on this just to help you understand that. Exodus 20, 20, verse 5, it's on your your passage there. We'll have the verse up here. It says, you shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. 
Exodus 34, 14, For you shall not worship any other god, for, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, <laughs> is a jealous God. Deuteronomy 4.24, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Deuteronomy 4.23 and 24, the, just bringing the fullness of that, says, watch yourselves that you do not forget the covenant of the, your Lord your God which he made with you. And make for yourselves a, a, a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. God takes it seriously when we allow other things to get in the way of our worship. And God's saying, listen, your responsibility is to pull down, it is to cut down, it is to, to get rid of all those things that are getting in the way of your worship of who I am. Now I began to think about that for us today. What is getting in the way of our worshiping God? Now we are a busy society. We can be so busy that we forget the Father. We can be so busy that we don't spend time in worship. We can be so busy that we don't read our Bible. We can be so busy that we don't worship God. Now, it is easy for us to spend hours and hours doing exercise, sporting events, shopping, hiking, whatever it is. We can spend hours and hours doing things that we find value in. But when it comes to us spending time with God, for some reason it is a challenge. We find great difficulty. Now this is not meant to be judgmental, but how many of you have ever fallen asleep when you were trying to read your Bible? Now, I'm not going to talk about those that have fallen asleep when they were in worshiping God here in the sanctuary. I am up in front of you, you realize that. Or in the midst of my preaching. I'll look around, is anybody sleeping today? It has happened. But we find it difficult to, to fall asleep during those things we love doing. So maybe the issue is our love for the things of God have, has grown cold. One of the problems of the churches in Revelation says that they lost their first love. Now, I know that it is easy when we, we fall out of love, when we choose not to love something, for us to lose our focus. See, those people that fall in love and fall out of love, number one, they're awful clumsy because you shouldn't fall into love. It should be a conscious decision. See, that's why I tell people, don't, don't you ever come to a place of worshiping God because somebody is pressuring you to do so. It needs to be a decision. It's a serious decision. Let, listen, marrying my wife was a decision that I, I don't regret in any way. It was, it was a major decision. But serving God was even more so. Because <laughs> as much as I love my wife, my love for her in, in no way will purge my soul. 
It won't cleanse me. It won't make me whole again. It can't do that. She's not meant to. She's a helpmate to me to live out this life that I'm in. But listen, worshiping God brings me to a place of right standing with Him. See, so many times the church has sold a bill of goods saying, all you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and everything is going to be all right. Well, that's wrong. (laughs) That's the beginning process. You must accept Christ, but then you have to live for Him. This message all week long about shining was about living for Jesus, not just when we come to church. But seven days a week, 24 hours a day, learning to live for Jesus. That's that's each of our individual responsibilities, is living for Him. God was telling Gideon, listen, if you want me to come in and rescue you, you need to clean house. You need to tear down. You need to cut down. This is serious. Now, I'm going to tell you, we have things that are taking our worship from God, and sometimes our response is, well, I'll go and sell those and make some money off of it so that I can get rid of it. Now, let me just tell you, if it is distracting you from God and the things of God, you you need to not just sell it, you need to destroy it. I'm serious on some of this here. When I remember um, back when I was in youth group, as, uh, as they were dealing with things like some of the music that kids used to listen to, cassette tapes, I know some of you don't know what those are. Um, it's all right. I'm feeling it. Um, this process of rewinding, you know. Um. <laughs> None of them have eight tracks, at least. Some of you did, but none of them did. Um, but we had a bonfire at church, and they asked people to bring those things that God was convicting them of to get rid of them. And they were destroyed. Because if they were that detrimental, and we had people bringing pornography, we had people bringing uh, nasty music, we had people bringing. Um, just some of them brought, brought clothing that was taking them down a path that was not good. See, all those things, if they are destructive, if you know those things lead you down a place, I remember people bringing cigarettes and throwing them into the fire. They were bringing alcohol out. All those things because God had convicted them that these things had become points of worship in their life. And they realized in order for God to move in their life and do what He desired, it was necessary for them to get rid of the things that were getting in the way. The things that were pulling their gaze. Then Gideon, God tells Gideon, He says, now, I want you to build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop. See, these altars that worship Baal and the Asherah poles, they were built on hilltops. They were built so that everyone would see what was going on. See, it's always interesting that we are never as fearful about people seeing us do things that... um, are not God-centered, 
We, we, we really don't even worry about that as much. You know, it's okay for someone to see me standing at a football game cheering or a basketball game. I didn't cheer at a baseball game, but I was there. Um, but, sorry, Joe, I just had to throw that one in there for you. Um, but man, like today with our service this Sunday, um, and our kids leading these songs and stuff. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of it was a little bit uncomfortable? You know, all, these, all this movement in the house of God. <laughs> For some people, it's very uncomfortable. And we have, we have our rules and regulations. We have the way church is supposed to be done a certain way. Now, I love church. I, I probably... I, I could probably safely say this. I probably love church more than just about anybody here and most people that I know. I could be at church. You can ask my wife. I could be here all day long. Um, I'm a recovering, you know, all-day church person. Um, (laughs) Because I used to just spend hours and hours at church. I could, you might find this hard to believe, but I can always find something to do just in the church building. There's something to fix or something to clean or something to read or something to pick i mean there's there's plenty of stuff to do in the church but i had to come to a place where i said you know what that even can become a misplaced point of worship is to be about all this stuff in the church and you you never are out in the community you're never doing other things so i i made a an intentional transition to where i spend more time in the community touching people for the kingdom and that's a hard thing to do because in the church it's comfortable. There are no threatening things. In the, well, there's threatening things in here, but, but normally it's things that you know, I create. Um, but I, God wants us to not be so afraid of where we worship Him and how we worship Him. And He says, I, I want you to build an altar right here on this hilltop sanctuary. Where everybody can see it. He said, not only do I want you to build an altar here, I want you to use the wood from the Asherah pole. That thing that you were worshiping, I want you to use it as the the fodder for the fire. And God began to do a work in Gideon. And preparing him for the things that were to come. God wanted to do something special. And in the place where he had previously worshipped false gods, he began to worship the true God. And then he tells Gideon that I want you to prepare a sacrifice. He said, I want you to go get this second bull from your father's flock. As I was reading and praying about that this week, I realized a sacrifice is going to cost you something. To bring a sacrifice, is, it's going to cost you something. When God tells you in the midst of a store to go up and to pray for someone, it's going to cost you something. When God tells you to stand for something that... Uh, People everyone or everywhere around you are doing something wrong and you stand for what is right. It's going to cost you something. 
It's going to cost you some pride. It's going to cost you maybe a position. When, you're, when your employer wants you to do something dishonest, wants you to cut corners, and you say, I cannot do that, that it violates my faith, to be able to do that. It's going to cost you something. There is a sacrifice that will need to be made to worship God. Gideon needed to be willing to pay the price for God to be able to do what he needed. Not only pay the price he wanted this second bull that was seven years old now we're not getting into the full um, understanding of the word of the number seven in scripture but seven is a number of completion in scripture there are certain numbers that have special value special meaning and and seven is one of those numbers that god has a special place for written throughout the scripture God wants your very best. This bull wasn't one that was going to be um, lame. It wasn't one that was sickly. Deuteronomy 15.21 lays these things out for us and how God looks at these sacrifices. But he says, uh, when God was talking about a, a sacrifice that was being brought, he said, but if it has any blemish, if it is lame or blind or has any serious blemish, whatever, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. Church, I cannot tell you the number of times people have brought to me things to donate to the church that are broken. They have brought things that were clothes that were tore up. Now today that's fashionable. I probably could have saved those things and, and made money today. But people would donate things because they didn't want them. And they thought the church was a great place to drop off their junk. The church doesn't, God doesn't want your, gun, your junk. <laughs> God wants your best. He wants you to, when you are worshiping God, He expects you to come into this house and give Him your best, even if you don't feel like it. When you go to your job, when you go to work, if you come in with a, a terrible attitude, and you're breaking things and knocking things and you're yelling at everybody, your boss is going to look at you and say, you need to come home and don't come back if you don't have a better attitude. As a matter of fact, if you don't have a better attitude, you might want to find another place to work. See, they don't have a problem telling you that because they're paying you. But we think many times, well, God's not paying me. But we definitely want Him to rescue us. We want God to be there in our times of desperation. It's as if this God is some sugar daddy that only responds when we need Him. But God wants to be, He is a jealous God. He wants us to worship Him seven days a week, 24 hours a day. He will not, if you have someone else that you're wanting to put on the same position as Him, He is so gracious, He, he just says, it's okay. Just go ahead and worship this one. I'm not interested in competing. 
I, I won't compete. If it was an issue of competing, I could just wipe everything out and it wouldn't be an issue. But then it's me forcing myself on you and I don't want that. God's saying, listen, you have to make a decision. You can have all your other gods or you can have me. Joshua, as he was talking to the people, he said, I don't know who you've come to worship today, whether it's the God of your forefathers or all these other gods that people talk about, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua made a decision that his life was going to be about the service of God. See, that's what each one of us need to do. When we make a place of worship, when we create an altar to worship God, after, after we've cleaned house, after we've tore down all this other stuff, we need to reaffirm our commitment to God that He is the true God, the one and only God that we worship. I can't make that decision for you. You have to decide. You have to decide every day when you get up if you're going to be the mighty man or woman of valor that He has created you to be or if you're going to go back to all the gods that have restrained you, restricted you, chained you up, Never built you into the person that you are today. But it's a choice. God lets you make it every day. Now God, as you've read through the times that we've talked about these judges coming in and rescuing the people with God's provision, God's hand of power working through them, God is gracious and understanding, but there is coming a day. Scripture says when the, that Christ will split the eastern sky and those that are are worshiping him those that are his will be caught up and the the point of decision will be done there is no time to make a decision then scripture says in the twinkling of an eye that's pretty quick you can't make a decision in a twinkling of an eye but god will be calling his children home and those that are his will meet him that's today is the day of decision today is the day of cleaning house and building an altar and worshiping god we get to make that decision gideon had to make a decision Who are you going to worship today? How bright is your light going to shine today? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I am thankful that your love is consistent. That you are always present. That you are there to rescue me in my times of need. I thank you that I walk closer to you today than I did last year. I thank you that I have less things that pull my gaze away from you than I did last year. 
But I am aware that this is a process that you're continuing to take me in that I may be fixated on you. That I may be pursuing you with a level of intensity that I may become who you've called me to be. That I, may, that I may walk in a position of a mighty man of valor mighty woman of valor father that we may become your warriors who know how to worship Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear what Your Spirit is saying to us. Draw us today to a closer relationship with You. Revealed to us right now. Lord, those things in our lives that have distracted us from our worship of You. This morning, there are going to be two portions of this altar call. The first one is a very simple one for each one of you who find this to be appropriate. If God has revealed to you some things that you need to bring to the altar and lay at His altar, things that are distracting your gaze, that are preventing you from worshiping Him the way He desires, then I'm going to invite you to come. Find a place at the altar and worship Him today. If you are not walking with God, if you are not walking in relationship with God, but you realize today that if Jesus Christ were to return, you would not go to be with Him. And you want to change your destiny. I'm going to be standing right here in the front and I'm going to invite you to come to me and allow me to pray with you. We're going to say a simple prayer that acknowledges the fact that we are sinners. That confesses that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That we confess our need for Him and our desire to walk with Him. That we'll walk through that process together. And so, I'm just going to invite you. We have Gabriel bring the volume up of the music a little bit, but I'm just going to, during this, this next 
period of time, just if God leads, it to, uh, leads, you, leads you to it, to come and lay down at this altar, it may be physically, you may have it with you, something that God is wanting you to put on the altar and leave it there. We'll destroy it for you. But we also want you to come if you don't know Jesus. So as this song plays, come. He's calling you to hear.